You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Broadcasting from the place where America won its freedom in the heart of Hampton Roads, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly, Robbie Vogler, keeping us up and running. We're back, baby. Had some fun on Thursday and Friday looking back at some uh, some some interviews. But at the meantime, there's some news to break down. It is a reaction Monday. We'll react to the combine. Some guys ran fast. Some guys ran slow. We'll react to the combine. Some guys were heavy. Some guys were light. We'll react to Derek Carr to New Orleans. The Jets were selling him the dream The Panthers reportedly had all the coaches. The Saints salary cap jail, no money to spend. Of course, he ends up with the New Orleans Saints. Call and text lines open 757-687-9494. Did Derek Carr make the right choice? Again, 757-687-9494. Did the Saints make the right choice? That's that's a a matchmaking scenario. So both the call-in line and the Dreamlawns text line are open, 757-687-9494. For a few of the details, here's Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. Derek Carr, free agent quarterback yes. after nine seasons with the Las Vegas Raiders. He was released uh, recently, and he is expected to sign with the New Orleans Saints. They are closing in on a deal. Sources tell me and Ian Rappaport on this one. And look, the Saints were the team that Carr met with before he was released by the Raiders. They were willing to meet Las Vegas on trade compensation. But Carr said, you know what? You're not giving me the permission to talk to anybody else, so I'm just going to wait for my release. He did. That afforded him the chance to hit free agency before other free agents become available next week. It also afforded him the time to take his time throughout this entire process. He did just that. The Saints made it happen. It's, it's actually, well, first of all, let's give the money, since, which it's it's since been uh, revealed. Uh, Ian Rapport tweeted out, four-year deal, $150 million, $100 million in total guarantees, $70 million effectively fully guaranteed, $60 million guaranteed at signing, $10 million vests in year three after year one. I don't know why these can't be much more simple. Like, that was four different kinds of guarantees. To me, guaranteed just means guaranteed, but... Apparently not. Uh, total guarantees, $100 million. I believe there's $30 million of injury guarantees there. So for that to become guaranteed, he'd have to get severely injured. Uh, $70 million effectively guaranteed. That's the money to look at. So in, in my knowledge of the situation, it is a two-year, $70 million guaranteed contract. Although, even if he's cut after two years, he gets $10 million of that in year three. That's all to help out the Saints with their salary cap. Two years, $35 million. I think that's quite reasonable. Right? Two years, 70 million, which is 35 per year. I think that's that's quite reasonable. And it goes along with what I've, th- what I've been saying about Derek Carr this whole time, which is for most players, I think free agent visits could be 10 minutes long. Right? You show up, 
probably have to sign some form of NDA. You do your introductions. Hey, this is so-and-so. This is our GM. This is the coach. This is who you'd be interacting with. Here's our salary cap specialist. Then you go, nice to meet you. This is my agent. Then they slide a number and a folded piece of paper across the table. Free agency visit done. I think for most athletes out there, they're going to the highest bidder because they understand athletes' shelf lives are short. Get your money while you can. Derek Carr has struck me this whole time as a guy that was willing to make his decision with a little bit of emotion, with a little bit of it's not just the money. Right. So when I heard this from Diana Rossini on NFL Live a couple of weeks ago about the Jets laying it on thick with the praise, I think we all went, well, I think that's the kind of thing that's going to make Derek Carr really highly consider the Jets. Uh, Here's Diana Rossini. I heard it went really well from both sides. And in terms of what New York was trying to sell him, because let's face it, that's what they're doing at this point. They were pretty clear with them. They, They told him. He's a great quarterback. They believe that he's got a legit surrounding cast of players. They went through the top D, the strong young skill guys, the explosive run game. They went through top to bottom of why Derek Carr can step in here and take this team not just to the playoffs, but to the Super Bowl. And they made it really personal, too. They said, we believe if you come to New York and win, you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right? So they went Full in on Derek Carr here to let him know <laughs> they really want him what? to play for the New York Jets. A first ballot Hall of Famer? They laid it on thick. So why did he hear that, right? As a guy that I think we all understand is is looking for a home, looking for like a family team atmosphere. He heard that and said, yeah, I'm going to sign with the Saints. I don't think it's roster related, right? You might say Chris Olave is really good. Well, so is Garrett Wilson. You might say Alvin Kamara is really good. Yeah, well, Brees Brees Hall is too. And if he, by the way, that's if Kamara isn't suspended. Uh, Michael Thomas is is all this. I get it. I get it. I look at the rosters and I think the Jets are younger. The Jets are, are more talented. The real reasons why Derek Carr chose the Saints are not roster related. Right? If you want Derek Carr, as I mentioned, you have to show him the love. The Saints fan base is very lovey dovey. Right, they they chant players' names. They they worship you in the French Quarter on Bourbon Street. They they turn you into something more than a football player, but less than a, a demigod. Right, somewhere in between there. They are very very loyal and crazed. And I think he was looking for that. I think he wants to walk into to the dome down there in New Orleans and have the crowd go wild. And we know that's not what happens all the time with the New York Jets. You can play three great games. They're going nuts. You play one bad game. You walk out there for game number five, and they're like, boo. I don't think he wants that. It's an easy division. I think that matters. Derek Carr is going from being in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and the maybe one-day reclamation project by Sean Payton of Russell Wilson. I don't think it's likely, but hey, I guess it's an option to a a division now that at the moment has Kyle Trask, Desmond Ritter, and Matt Corral as his competition. And they play in a dome. Uh, I think it's a little overblown, but the stats are there that Derek Carr plays significantly worse in bad weather and cold weather than he does when it's nice out. Well, guess what? It is 72 and a half degrees in every single dome in the NFL. The wind, you can pick up the little black pellets that you find in the turf, throw it up, they come straight back down. There's no wind in a dome. Derek Carr was looking for for the intangibles, 
And then they found a way to make the money work. I'm not 100% certain how. Because the, the, the Saints do seem to be one of the few teams that was legitimately in salary cap jail. Yet they found a, a $70 million guaranteed for Derek Carr. I think it's a good decision, not a great decision for both sides. Right? I think the, be- I, I, the best path moving forward for the Saints was probably a rebuild. But if they're not going to do that, if they do believe we have to win now, we can win now, it's about as good as you can do. He's the, he's the bell of the ball in the free agency market. For Derek Carr, like I said, if you want to win, if you, it, it, I think the, the Jets would have been the move. I think the Jets probably were the move. But if you're looking for the stuff that Derek Carr believes he needs to, to be successful, the Saints are all right. That's a tough one. I think both kind of settled for their second best, but they think it's their first best. And I'm all right with that. Do you think Derek Carr's in the right spot? Is this going to, uh, A, <laughs> we should do this like a multiple choice. We're going to do this like a Scandron on the SAT. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, this is going to make him into a all-time great, and he's going to prove that the the negatives that followed him around his entire career truly were the Raiders' dysfunction. B, the Raiders are going to regret the heck out of this, and they're going to be sitting there two years from now going, we still have to pay this guy $10 million next year even though we're cutting him, which is how this, this contract is set up. Or C, I think that it's kind of milk toast, right? Just kind of middle. Nobody likes it. Nobody hates it. Think of Kirk Cousins to Minnesota. It's like, you know what? Six years from now, we're going to be in the exact same position we are now. Or D, and just because it's the Scantron, all of the above, right? There's always the there's always all of the above. And you're like, those two can't be all of the above. Anyone else having flashbacks to the SAT? Always C. That was my move. Always C. And then erase it and put D, so maybe the Scantron will have an error. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. 757-687-9494. That's the call-in line. That's also the Dream Lawns text line. Who won the deal? Derek Carr to the Saints. 757-687-9494. It's also a reaction Monday. We can react to anything you want from over the weekend. Obviously, the combine included in that. The deal, San San Francisco. It's the Saints. Apparently, anytime I start with Saney, just go straight to San Francisco. Uh, Derek Carr to the Saints. That's okay. Thank you very much. Sean Payton, former former Saint. Going to confuse everybody here. Uh, and, and then, of course, there's there's the franchise tag tomorrow. And those deals are starting to roll in. Tony Pollard tagged. Orlando Brown not tagged. A few others going on here. Let me make sure I bring in the, the – the, 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 the. Evan Ingram was the one I, I hadn't said yet. Evan Ingram, tight end, Jacksonville, tagged. Still waiting on Daniel Jones, still waiting on Lamar Jackson. There's going to be a lot of dominoes falling in the next 24 hours and 47 minutes because that's when the the deadline is. Uh, But the first one to fall, Derek Carr to the Saints. Your reactions, call in right now. We want to hear from you. 757-687-9494. Back after this with more of Derek Carr and Bryce Young with the most important five pounds to go over 200 to 204 of the entire weekend. Bryce Young, NFL number one overall draft pick because he ate a big dinner. Coming up next. We're talking about the NFL draft right now on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, presented by Larry King Law. Uh, We are going to talk about the NFL draft, but 
First, we have to get to the first bit of free agency news, which is Derek Carr signing or agreeing to sign with the New Orleans Saints. It is a four-year, sorry, yes, four-year, got to get all the numbers right, $150 million deal, uh, which is kind of essentially $100 million in, in practical guarantee or not practical guarantees, $70 million in practical guarantees at signing. Uh, and that's all a confusing way to say. It's, it's a four-year $150 million deal, but not really. I don't think there's a, a snowball's chance in the hot place that, uh, that he ends up seeing the entirety of this deal. But still, he gets paid lucratively, and the Saints get their quarterback. 757-687-9494 for your reactions. It's a reaction Monday. So again, the call-in line and the Dreamlawns text line, 757-687-9494. Let's start with the text line. Robbie, what are they saying? From the 757, Derek Carr made the right decision because he's playing in the NFC now. If he had went to the Jets, he still wouldn't have been the best quarterback in his division. But now that he's in the NFC and in the division he's in, he is the best quarterback in that division. I think there's th- th- that's part of the reason why he's there. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, I'm I'm... Like, are you going to get jacked up if you make it to the first, you know, wild card weekend of the playoffs and go home? Because I think he's much more likely to do that with the Saints than he would be at, at a bunch of other places. But if you're talking about winning a Super Bowl, I think you need to go to the place that has the best roster around you, kind of regardless of their division and things. You can kind of protect your floor by going to a, a team in the worst division, uh, but but you limit your ceiling by not going to the best team available. Yes, Buffalo is in the Jets division. You might be more likely to win a Super Bowl as the second best team in that division than as the best team in the NFC South. But again, you know his priorities I think are different than most. Most just go to the highest bidder. What else you got? Tim from the 804, this one just came in. Have the Jets made a mistake? To be determined. Have the Jets made a mistake? If they walk away with Aaron Rodgers, probably not. I think that's that's what this says, is the Jets are all in on Aaron Rodgers. And if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, I'd be fascinated to see where they end up. Do they do something ridiculous for someone like Lamar Jackson? Do they do something ridiculous to go get one of the, the three or four top quarterbacks in the draft? I, there's there's a lot of options, but but if the Jets walk away, Derek Carr less and Aaron Rodgers less, then the NFL should do an immediate and emergency like uh, like hard knocks where they put cameras in all of their rooms and we just get to watch it play out 24 hours a day. Remember remember the show Big Brother? I do. You could go online and and I don't even know if anyone actually did this, but they would advertise it. You could go online and look in the house like 24 hours a day. They should have that in like the war room for the Jets if they don't have Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers because they will be scrambling and it would be a reality television show. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. The Combine is, speaking of a reality show, is the craziest of its kind. We are so thirst for football already, right? The, the What was the Super Bowl three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that? Uh that Bryce Young should have had the most non-stress combine of any elite prospect. He wasn't doing anything, right? He he interviews, which apparently he smashed, so he knew he would do well there. Uh, he was going to be measured height, measured weight, and everything he did was scrutinized. He walked into to the, the, the facility in Indianapolis 
next to a tight end. And I saw a tweet saying that he should be more aware not to walk next to tall people when cameras are around. The t- oh, the, that tight end, he's 6'5", by the way. So you had people doing like the the you know online sleuthing. If he's 6'5", he's this tall. Then there was the picture of him behind a podium with sneakers on that looked like they might have thick soles. And everyone thought he was he was trying to sneak a fast one by and seem taller by wearing like platform shoes. Turns out they were the shoes given to players at the combine. No bull was the sponsor, the 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 equipment sponsor of the combine. So this guy literally just grabbed the shoes that were like free and available and got accused of wearing platform shoes. His height isn't something he can change. His weight was well above what anyone wanted from him, and he had to know that, right? He came in 5'10 and 1'8 and 204 pounds, almost exactly what Kyler Murray came into. And guess who that surprised? Kyler Murray for his his combine back a couple years ago guess who that surprised not Bryce Young I guarantee you he stepped on the scale every single day in training and I guarantee you he knows how tall he is speaking of that phenomena uh players should be surprised by nothing at the combine right when like when you're saying I'm gonna run a 4-3 then you run a 4-5 at any point in time did you run a 4-3 no two tenths of a second is huge like, we know how, like, athletes know how fast they are because they run and they time and then they try to get better and they time again and they try to get faster and they time again. All these first-round prospects go to these multi-multi-million-dollar training facilities. They have electric timers there. Kayshawn Booty, who is a, a wide receiver from LSU, jumped 29 inches in the vertical jump. That's, like, not great for a 300-pound offensive lineman. Why the heck did he jump? He had to know. His agents had to know. Just say, hey, I'm not going to jump today. Everyone would be like, oh, that's weird. Oh, well. Let me ask you this about Bryce Young. If he were 197 pounds instead of 204 pounds, would you not draft him? Like, like you're really going to say seven pounds, five, if he's 199, if you just have that one instead of the two at the beginning of his his weight, you're going to, mm. he was the number one overall pick, now third rounder. It seems like some are thinking that. Here's Jeremy Fowler and Darian Mel. I mean, that's a pretty good number, but I would say still skepticism there, Dari, because people wonder, you know, does he have the frame to be able to take hits over time on a 17-game schedule? No, no matter what his weight was going to be, that's the bigger concern. Is he too slight? Uh, but that's a big number, so I, I would say that's bigger than, than expected. He's been putting in some work, obviously, and that's a good sign. What? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I do actually look at the combine as that last thing that Jeremy Fowler said, right? If you show up unprepared to the combine, then I, I can seriously say, like, all right, I don't know if I trust you just as a a worker, right? If you show up out of shape, if you show out show up looking like it's the first time you had ever done the drills, I'm going to go, all right, you just didn't show up prepared. I don't like a guy that doesn't show up prepared. But the difference between 204 and 197 being that massive to me makes so little sense. If he sweats a lot in a particular training camp for a couple of days and he loses five pounds, is it suddenly like, oh, geez, we wasted this first-round pick on a third-round talent? 
We knew he was small. Teams know he's small. Teams aren't going to draft him without walking up and shaking his hand. They're going to know if he's big, if he's broad, if he's not. He just has to be an elite processor and, more importantly, an elite anticipator of defenses. He has to have a pretty good idea where he's going with the ball pre-snap so he can set up his drop and he can get his feet to a place, meaning his footwork in the pocket, to a place where he can make the throw. If he's not an elite processor, he doesn't have a chance. If he does, he'll work at 197, he'll work at 194. He'll work at 210. By the way, if you look at someone, like this is the other thing. If you're worried about the height, him seeing over the line, he played at Alabama, right? He played at Alabama. It's not like his his, off, his offensive line was small. Now, if you're worried about the weight, saying maybe he won't be able to hold up to the, 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 the rigors or the physical beating of a, of a uh, NFL season, okay, we can talk, but then, then you can open up the conversation to a whole bunch of other quarterbacks. For example, Jared Goff at the Combine, yeah, he was 6'4". Right? 6'4 is what everybody wants, but he was 215. What is less broad, 6'4", 215, or 5'10", 204? Right? You could argue Jared Goff was a skinnier guy. Kirk Cousins, 6'3", 214. You could argue they're skinnier guys. Now, now, are you worried about the height? If so, it's like, I, I, you know, there aren't a lot of guys that, that have success at Alabama. 5'10", 5'4", 5'7", 8 feet tall. Like, it doesn't matter. If you're good at Alabama, you're probably tall enough to be good in the NFL. If you're worried about him holding up to the physical beating, there's other guys in the league that have shown you can be that, that skinny and, and still hold up. I would be 100% more worried about his processing ability. Like the fact that I know this is how it went. I know 100% this is how it went. He walked up there, right? He was in his skivvies, right? In in his little compression shorts. He stepped onto a scale, looked down, saw 204, and somewhere his agents were jumping up and down. They were high fiving. And that just makes so little logic to me. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness he ate that steak last night and hasn't peed in six hours. Now he can go pee, and, and, you know, if he drops a pound, it's okay. And that's coming from, like, I did all of that, by the way. When I was coming out of high school, if I was going to a camp or something and I knew I was going to weigh in, you know where I ran right after weigh-ins? The bathroom, because I hadn't peed in, in 12 hours, and I chugged a gallon of water right before we walked out there. Right? One gallon of water, one pound, something like that. 16 ounces, one pound. Who I was putting it back. All to get to 173 at 6'4". <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, and and even then like i took it seriously but it'd be ridiculous if they're like we were going to bring you on the team but psh, two pounds lighter than we want you to be tim donnelly show priority auto sports radio 94.1 how about the jet i didn't even realize that the the, the jets portion of the the Derek Carr deal was going to be such a talking point our, our text line is lighting up with the jets aspect of it the saints got Derek carr and most of the response has been, oh, no, Jets. One texter even suggesting they're going to tank by drafting Hendon Hooker and taking their chances next year. I can tell you this right now. They are not going to do that from the coach's seat because 
another down season, I'm not sure the coaches will be there. If Joe Douglas has been given some kind of, he was their GM, has been given some kind of big positive job security, maybe they could do it from the front office standpoint. But those coaches are looking to win right now. And Derek Carr would help them do that. Aaron Rodgers would even more. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It's Monday. That means it's time to get to our sounds of the week coming up, including maybe the freakiest athlete at the entire combine was right under our noses the whole time. I'll tell you who. Stick around. Sometimes you just have to hear it for yourself. It's the sounds of the weekend on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Sometimes you just have to hear it for yourself. Sounds of the weekend here on the Tim Donnelly Show. And we're going to get started with, again, I'm not even saying this to be hyperbolic or to exaggerate. Anthony Richardson was great. Washington, the tight end from Georgia, really good. Bijan Robinson, exceptional. The freakiest athlete at the entire combine could easily have been Zach Kuntz, tight end, ODU, and nobody saw it coming, not even the broadcasters on NFL Network. Height to ride the ride. What's the cutoff? Like six, five and a half for this ride? Zach Kuntz, he might four, be five, five. They're literally talking about anything else going on as this guy is running his 40-yard dash, and then, oh, Runs the second fastest 40 of any tight end at the combine at 6'7", 255 pounds. When when the other guys I mentioned, Richardson, Robinson, Washington, really any of the, the, quote, freaky athletes, got anywhere near next up in the combine. Everybody shut down. Oh, let's see what he's going to do. Let's see. Oh, this guy, he's been talking a big game about what he's going to run. Koontz, they didn't even notice he was doing anything until he finished his 40. Oh, by the way, he's the tallest player in combine history to jump 40 inches in the vert. He was first in the vert, first in the broad jump amongst tight ends, second in the 40-yard dash. And he's 6'7", 255 pounds. There's always risers in the the combine. Zach Quince might be one of them. We'll talk about it more later on in the show. But uh, your favorite team, if they need a tight end, they, they might be thinking Zach Quince. By the way, I didn't mean to disparage Anthony Richardson. Uh, one, because there's a very loyal fan base to Anthony Richardson. If you say something a little sideways about him, they they come after you pretty aggressively. Uh, but also because he is as wild of an athlete, especially at the quarterback position as we've, we've ever seen. Here he is running the 40. A broad jump of 10-9, and here he is running a 40-yard dash, and oh my goodness. <laughs> It is full (laughs) Moses Malone. Uh, 4-4-4. 4-4-4-40 for a quarterback that weighs 240-plus pounds. I'm starting to get it. No. We knew he was going to be a wild athlete. Putting numbers to it makes it feel real. But I knew, like, oh, he had the farthest broad jump in vertical. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. The guy was not a tremendously good college quarterback but he's being talked about as the number one overall pick you better hope he was going to be a wild athlete this doesn't make it any less wild of an athlete by the way the fact that he he was oh my goodness as he was running i actually had the opposite 
he looks effortless when he's running. He is like a gazelle. He's a long strider. He just happens to be 240-plus pounds. Like, it didn't look like he was moving fast. There was a, a Tank Bell as a wide receiver. You go watch his 40, he looks like he's running a 4-2. He ran like a 4-5. He he's a guy that looks fast. Richardson was kind of the opposite. He was moving while looking like he was strolling. Very impressive. We'll talk about him later on in the show. Uh, <laughs> Devin Booker, Luka Doncic got into a little bit of a dust-up with like two seconds left in their game over the weekend. Here's the play-by-play. And now Durant will shoot. Free throws at Devin Booker and Doncic go face-to-face. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's Wainwright has to step in. The officials haven't called anything yet. Well, I'll tell you what. Booker started that. Booker was yapping. Let's just get a Booker. It's Booker's fault. Was that Hubie? Was that Hubie Brown? ESPN broadcast there. He's just assigning guilt immediately. Uh, the, the scrap, the scrum, whatever you want to call it, it was nothing. I actually liked that they kind of got face to face and it looked like it was going to be serious. Then they both start giggling. I think they recognized, like, wait a second, you're worth 200 million. I'm worth 200 million. Pff, hands are too valuable. We're not doing anything. Let's stand here until someone pulls us apart. Uh, but I do love. Luca's pet peeve about trash talk. He he's big on don't wait till you're winning by a bunch to start trash talk. This isn't the, the first time he's done this, right? Uh, Booker kind of I guess to Luca's belief waited until the game was sealed, with like two seconds left to start chirping. Luca was letting him know chirp before that, which I kind of appreciate, right? I get on people like if I don't know you are a uh, Milwaukee Bucks fan. And then they win the NBA championship, and the next day you walk in with a Bucks jersey or a, uh, a Bucks shirt or hat. I'm going like, nah, that, that doesn't mean as much as if you wouldn't have worn it before. I feel kind of the same way with with trash talk, right? Talk trash, then back it up. Don't like see how far you're going to back it up and then talk the trash. I don't hate that move from Luca. And I and again, like I said, both of them knew they weren't going to do anything. It's like their enforcers had to get together and do something. Uh, speaking of the NBA, Julius Randle and the Knicks took on the Heat. And Julius Randle got a, an honor that has only been doled out five times in Mike Breen's illustrious broadcasting career. Let's see if you pick up on it. Brunson tied up, finds Randle, throws it low. Randle gets it back. Eight seconds to go. Randall on the drive, stripped by Butler. Randall gets it back. Randall puts up a three. Bang! Bang! Randall knocks down the three with seven tenths of a second remaining. Randall stumbling, bump. And we were saying somebody's open, pass it, pick it up, surrounded by heat. And the three goes. Did you catch it? The double bang. Mike Breen gave him two bang bang I I have to admit I usually give give Mike Breen a lot of credit for being stingy with that signature call he doesn't go to it often a Knicks Heat regular season game really fifth seed against the seventh seed in the east really I think that might be a little like a local bias for Breen, who's a New York guy. He just he wanted to give it to the Knicks, right? Normally, the double bang call is is reserved for like game winners in clutch playoff games or end of the season high leverage games. I'm talking, I'm talking early March Knicks Heat. 
He's warming up the pipes. I think a single bang would have been plenty. Would have been would have been generous. The second one, I mean, you only it's the fifth time he's done it in his career. And I know a lot of you are saying, what are you talking? It's it's a thing, I promise you. It's a thing. Uh, and now just to make us all laugh, uh, Ben DiNucci, former JMU quarterback, is in the XFL uh, playing for the Seattle Sea Dragons. His number one wide receiver is a guy you're going to recognize, Josh Gordon, one of the most physically gifted wide receivers to ever walk the planet. Obviously, off the field things have, have limited his success in the NFL. Uh, but fourth down, late in the game, he threw this pass to Josh Gordon, and then he was just giggling. And, of course, as just about everybody is in the XFL, uh, Danucci was mic'd up. Set, go! Oh, go for it. Hot! Hot! Danucci takes a shot up field to Gordon. Gordon caught it! Gordon's backstepping! Gordon's going to score! <laughs> That was both Danucci. Danucci with the squealing laugh and with the are you bleeping serious? Which are two very different sounds. Are you? Like it went from the highest register all the way down to the lowest register. I guess I guess Josh Gordon, you know, still has it. He can still he can still make the voice go up to the upper octave. Ben Danucci. Pretty good quarterback in the XFL. Great quarterback at JMU. I would guess underrated at karaoke. Maybe maybe should, should tackle some Mariah Carrier next time he's he's behind the mic. They won, by the way. That was crucial. That was late in the game, fourth down. They threw it deep, caught it, and then like walked into the end zone. And then Danucci, as you heard. I can't even go like I can't even do that accurately because my, my voice doesn't go up that high. We're gonna have a giveaway to some slightly stupid. Slightly stupid tickets will be given away before the top of the hour. So we have about 15 minutes to do that. Keep your dialing fingers ready. Slightly stupid coming to the area August 14th. That's coming up next as well as franchise tag decisions. They're starting to roll in. Which NFL teams are really going to be struggling with the decision for the next 24 hours? Stick around. Sports talk for the 757 from the 757. The Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Show presented by Larry King Law. We're taking the show back on the road next week. We like to do this leading up to some of the bigger events on the sports calendar. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, we lead up to, or as we lead from Selection Sunday, up to the, the men's NCAA tournament. Uh, we're going to be crisscrossing the area uh, on Monday, Wild Wing Cafe in Chesapeake. Tuesday, Inland Reef in Virginia Beach. Wednesday, Old Beach Tavern in Virginia Beach. So uh, come out and say hi, right? Catch us broadcasting live from the those locations Monday through Wednesday of next week. Should be a uh, should be a fun time for all of us. And, and hopefully you can come out and grab some food, some drink, and, and some merriment. By the way, that also means... It's almost time for brackets. It's almost time to fill them out. It's almost time to talk trash. It's everybody in your office. So check it out. Uh, In the meantime, tomorrow, franchise tag deadline day, which means right now there are are brain trusts all across the NFL deciding how to proceed. The Cowboys deciding how to proceed with Tony Pollard on a franchise tag. They tagged him today. 
which I would, I'm, I'm pretty sure that means they're either moving on from Zeke Elliott or Zeke Elliott is going to take a wild reduction in salary to stay. Maybe he says, you guys have been overpaying me for a while. I'll do this one on me, pro bono, maybe. But either way, Tony Pollard, thank you very much. Uh, Tony, Tony Pollard, the new at least financial lead dog in that backfield. Then there's the Giants. What the heck are the Giants going to do? They have 24 hours and four minutes. The deadline is 4 o'clock tomorrow. What the heck are they going to do? They have both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley getting ready to be free agents. As of right now, they've agreed to a long-term deal with neither. And, uh, well, here's Joe Shane, uh, Shane, their GM, with more on Jones, Barkley, and franchise tags. Well, right now, inherently, it is one or the other. Like, the franchise tag is one or the other by rule. You, you don't have two of them, okay? So long-term deal with one of them, then you can keep both. Other than that, it is one or the other. If the reports are true that Daniel Jones is asking for $45-plus million per year, some reports saying as high as $48 million per year, I slap him with a franchise tag, and I put some stank on it, meaning – like I do a touchdown dance and spike the the franchise tag on the table when his agents are there today just for asking for that kind of money, which then puts me in a very difficult situation with Saquon Barkley because I don't believe in giving second big contracts to Saquon. So I might have to let him walk. If I can get a long-term deal that makes sense with Daniel Jones, I turn to Saquon Barkley and I put the non-exclusive tag on him because if someone wants to give me two first-round picks for the right to sign Saquon to a gigantic long-term deal, I take those two first-round picks and I'm and I'm taking my chips and going home. Like I'm, I'm considering that a win. If I don't think anyone would give up two first-round picks for him and I can't get a realistic long-term deal done, I let him walk. I paused there so Giants fans could go, what? <laughs> like, I don't think it would be the worst thing for the Giants if they walk out of there with Daniel Jones on a franchise tag and Saquon Barkley not associated with the program anymore. And I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if you walk out of there with Daniel Jones not associated with the program anymore and Saquon on a non-exclusive franchise tag. Can you bring back those two first-round picks? I'm not sure I'm willing to bet my franchise's future on a – running back with injury concerns, and a quarterback that had one solid year. I don't want, I don't want to get too uh, caught up in one solid year where you made the playoffs. I think it's better to look at the whole picture. Elsewhere in the NFL, looking at the whole picture, Evan Ingram got the franchise tag today, tight end for Jacksonville. I think everything that Evan Ingram has with Jacksonville should be answered with a question. Should we have franchise tagged him? Okay, well, how important is he to Trevor Lawrence? Right. Also today, uh, Calvin Ridley was was reinstated by the league. If Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Jamal Agnew, and and Etn were enough to have Trevor Lawrence keep developing, I'm not giving Evan Ingram 11.3 million dollars for one year, which is what they are agreeing to on a non-exclusive tag. But 
if Trevor's like, no, I need my tight end to keep developing, uh, or if his play is saying that, then I go, uh, $11.3 million is a steal because keeping my quarterback developing in the right direction is the most important thing I can do. Josh Jacobs. Fascinating. Tough pill to swallow for the Raiders. Here's why. If they picked up his fifth-year option last offseason, they'd have him for $8 million next year. They chose not to, so now they're debating whether to pay him $10 million on the tag. Now, that is seemingly a $2 million mistake. You might argue it was good business. They wanted to see one year with him. Fine. They wanted to get another year. Fine. They don't have a quarterback. They can't move on from their whole offense in one offseason. Whatever quarterback they bring in is going to want a running game. I think they have to tag Josh Jacobs to avoid paying him a long-term deal. And finally, Orlando Brown, Kansas City, tackle, Super Bowl winning tackle, protecting Patrick Mahomes' offensive tackle. They've informed him they will not tag him. He will hit the open market unless they work out a long-term deal prior to free agency opening. Man, I'm surprised by that. Andrew Wiley, their other tackle, also going to be a free agent this offseason. The Chiefs are learning how difficult it is to pay your stars. Because guess what? Next offseason, there's going to be guys like Creed Humphrey coming for their handout. There's going to be guys like Joe Tooney coming for their handout. That offensive line is going to get very expensive. And it is a, I mean, you got to close your eyes, close your nose, and make the decision and walk away when you are choosing to not protect Patrick Mahomes as well as you can for financial reasons. And the Orlando Brown one is crazy because I remember last offseason, he went on on like talk shows and said, someone's going to need to block this this mm-hmm. division. I mean, we got one of the hardest defensive divisions in, in National Football League, so, and it didn't happen. Yep, last offseason, there, there. I mean, they brought in. It was what Khalil Mack. It was, it was. There was um, Max Crosby, obviously Chandler Jones. There's a Bosa in there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of edge rushers in that division. Uh, there was Chubb at the time, Bradley Chubb. He's no longer there, but still. And they won a Super Bowl, and he was a starter. And now he's going to get to test the open market, and he's going to get paid, and I don't think the Chiefs can afford him. They're going to have to. The Chiefs are going to have to keep drafting out of their mind to replace high-priced talent with cheaper options that don't miss a step. Good luck. Uh, I did promise we'd give something away. Uh, Slightly stupid tickets at Veterans United Home Loans Amphitheater Friday, August 4th. That is a band, Slightly Stupid. I'm not insulting anybody, but I'm sure they get those jokes all the time. If If you know, you know, and you want the tickets. Anthony Richardson took the world by storm this weekend. One of the most impressive combines I've ever seen from quarterback or otherwise. Does that matter? Stick around.